I was minding my own business this morning when a hacker came along and stole my data from the unsecured public network. Gee, I wish there was some way to prevent that from happening. All you need is ExpressVPN. A VPN, or virtual private network, encrypts your data so the bad guys can't steal it. Wow! Have you ever heard of dynamic pricing? What's that? Online retailers charge you more based on where you live. With ExpressVPN, you can appear anywhere you want and get the best deal. That's my favorite kind of deal. What else can ExpressVPN do for me? You can get access to streaming content that's normally blocked in your region. Could I even use it to get past restrictions on work or school networks? Yes, all you have to do is use the ExpressVPN app on your device. You can even use it on your router. That's right. Just go to expressvpn.com forward slash capital A, capital C, capital P for a special offer and get three months free when you sign up for one year of service. What a deal. Thanks, ExpressVPN. That's expressvpn.com forward slash capital ACP. It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on other social media platforms like Discord. This week's episode, Fluoride. Or, you know, I gotta say, I gotta say one thing, Agent Anderson. I do that? appreciate the skill in which you have, uh, you have made yourself very able to time the ending of that there song in the intro. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, oh, well, thank you. Know, you. That's yeah. pretty. Yeah, it's that's, that's admir- it's admirable. I, so. I also like how you said. <laughs> fluoride very <laughs> seriously yeah it's it's sinister right fluoride i was trying to think of a better topic or I mean, a better is, title you know like is fluoride bad for you i'm like ah, does that sound better i'm not really sure i just maybe fluoride we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah just fluoride is fine i'm yeah. sure i mean this is a very important topic though i mean it affects a lot of people so i mean i think it's worth talking about you know what i mean yeah so I'm going to go over the history real quick here, and then you guys can, we'll jump in on different topics. Um, Agent Ether wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the medical or research evidence that it is good or bad for you or stuff like that. I, I don't know exactly what she's got ready for us over there. It's a surprise. It is a surprise, but. Oh boy. I'm going to talk about, I found the the history of fluoride, or at least of why fluoride is in our drinking water. I found it actually pretty interesting. So here we go. Oh, yeah. In 1901, a dude named Frederick McKay moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado to open a dental practice. When he got there, he was really surprised by the large number of people who had strange brown teeth. They had, well, their teeth were stained brown, but they didn't have any decay. Usually, if there's like a brown spot, it might be associated with some sort of decay. These people, mm-hmm. their teeth look fine. They're just brown. Some of them. Well, he just he just he described it as like some of their teeth were so bad that they it looked like they were covered by chocolate. Yeah. and I was like, really? So I looked up pictures, and yep, yeah, <laughs> those yeah, teeth sure look enough. yummy. Mmm, chocolate teeth. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of strange looking. It is, and uh, we laugh. But for those people who are victims to this kind of thing, imagine going out on a date with somebody and then they open their mouth, come in for the kiss and you see those teeth. You're like, Oh God, no, get that away Hell from me. No, you'd have yeah. to, you'd have to have a dating club for just people who have brown chocolate teeth. Like <laughs> they're only going to yeah, date each yeah. other. They're not dating anybody well, else. Right. <laughs> some of these pictures that I saw, it's like when somebody would smile or open their mouth, I would imagine like the, uh, that sound bite, like dun, dun, dun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked some locals as to why this was a thing. 
And they had various ideas as to why their teeth were brown. Some of them said, for example, that eating too much pork could cause it. <laughs> and there's a <laughs> oh, whole sure. bunch of whole bunch of ideas, but none of them really, you know, made sense except for one of them, which we will get to in a bit. But before we get to there, he investigated for a few years. He just sort of kind of investigated, but didn't really come to any conclusions until eventually he was, he convinced a dude named Dr. GV black to come and take a look at it. I guess this guy was really good at figuring out this sorts of things. He was Dr. Black was skeptical at first that it was even a real thing because there was no mention of the condition in the current dental literature, you know, like journal publications and stuff. And I I thought that was kind of hilarious because it's like, all right, I'm not going to investigate this because it's not in the literature. So therefore it's not a real thing, but it's not a real thing until somebody investigates it and puts it in the literature. It's like this circular reasoning that I thought was kind of funny (laughs) is just sort of tickled me a little bit on that one. Uh, so he arrived and he was absolutely shocked to find that something like 90, 90%, 90% of locally born children had the disorder. And he, there's a longer quote I found, but he said, basically, this is much more than a deformity of childhood. If it were only that it would be of less consequence, but it is a deformity for life. And he was, yeah. uh, described as like, he would go around and talk to the children And he would ask them, oh, what games do you like to play? Or what school do you go to? You know, stuff like that, because he wanted to see their teeth. And as soon as they started talking, he would know the answer immediately as to what their teeth looked like. So it was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. survey method he had there. (laughs) So he invested. Yeah. He helped investigate the, the subject until he died six years later in 1915. Although he wasn't around for like super long investigating this. He and McKay did discover two very important things. First, that the brown stains happened during the development of the teeth, in other words, to children, and not afterwards. So if you were an adult with perfectly normal-looking teeth and you went to the area, you did not develop brown teeth. And secondly, the brown teeth were highly resistant to decay, which is contrary to what you might expect. You see some nasty-looking brown teeth, you think they'd be riddled Mm -hmm. with decay, but nope. These teeth were not. Well, and it's kind of weird too, because like the, the teeth not only were stained brown, but some of them had like corrosion and stuff too. Like, like, but they were very resistant towards decay. I, I don't know how that makes sense, but like somehow it's the case, you know? Yeah. Well, they weren't impervious to decay. They were just more resistant than normal. So, you know, if, yeah. if you yeah. had the population, if you say the average child would develop 10 cavities by the time they're, you know, 20 years old, or I'm making these numbers up, but you know, then the people with the brown teeth would have something like half of that or a quarter of that, or who knows, far fewer, you know, they, they weren't completely impervious. It was just way less than the normal population Yeah, that you'd expect anyways. So some residents of Colorado Springs claimed that it was something in the water that was causing their teeth to go brown. Now, Dr. Black didn't believe this, and you can't blame him because there were all sorts of ideas flying around. Like I said, you know, eating too much pork (laughs) could cause your teeth to turn chocolatey. So he thought it was complete nonsense, but McKay wasn't quite as sure. And he was like, maybe there is something to it being in the water. They had no evidence for this. It was just, you know, just an idea. But in 1923, uh, the dentist McKay got a clue. People in Oakley, Idaho had recently built a pipe to a nearby hot springs to get drinking water. And after building the pipe, they started developing the brown teeth as well. So McKay heard of this and he went in, into the, he went to Oakley to check it out and analyze the water. He didn't find anything in the water, unfortunately, but he still suggested to the town that they change their source of water. After they did this, people stopped getting the brown teeth. So this is, mm-hmm. you know, Not proof, but it is sort of circumstantial evidence that strongly suggests that there might be a problem with the water and that might, that could be where the brown teeth are coming from. You know, it's something that definitely demands further study at the very least. Yeah. And I actually think it's pretty surprising that they changed their water source with like not any like solid evidence, you know, I mean, he must've been a pretty convincing uh, speaker or what have you, you know, Yeah, because he didn't have any solid evidence to, to prove that that water source was like faulty or what have you or not safe, but they, they still changed it and they saw, you know, some, some positive improvements, which is, is, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. That's awesome. It was just a shot in the dark and it just so happened to work. <laughs> A little later on, 
McKay hooked up with a Dr. Grover Kempf to investigate another town, which is Bauxite, B-A-U-X-I-T-E, Bauxite? How would you pronounce that, Agent Ether? Box, boxite. Boxite? I don't know. If it's Boxite, why not just spell boxite. it B-O- B-O-X? <laughs> the English language does not necessarily make sense, my friend. No, it does not. <laughs> All right. Boxite <laughs> <know>. it is. <laughs> Okay. From what I from what I understand, I heard it pronounced as bauxite. All right. Hey, it's good enough for me. I mean, I'm sure that's more correct than my attempt. Bauxite? <laughs> Baux? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in Bauxite, Arkansas, uh, McKay and Dr. Grover Kempf went there because there were similar problems reported. Now, coincidentally enough, this town was owned by Alcoa, the Aluminum Company of America. We'll talk a bit mm-hmm. more about them later on. Oh, we definitely will. Yes, yeah. sir. This was like a company <laughs> town. So people here also had the strange chocolatey teeth. They investigated, tested the water, didn't find a whole lot of anything, and they left. They did, however, publish a paper, a journal article paper, about their experience Alcoa's head chemist, H.V. Churchill, just so happened to catch wind of this article. He saw it and decided to test the water for himself. He was worried, not necessarily about the brown teeth, but he was worried that people would see this article about, you know, a dentist investigating the water Mm -hmm. in the area and that people would assume that that meant that the aluminum cookware that people use and Alcoa was a big part of producing, that they would say that the aluminum cookware was poisoning people. So he wanted to investigate himself and see what was going on. Well, turns out he had better equipment to test this with. He was using a photospectrographer, photospectrographic analysis. Yeah, spectrograph. uh, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Photo (laughs) photospectro thingy, right? Yeah, super complicated. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was way better (laughs) than what McKay was using. And I guess they were able to get a more accurate result. And they found the water had high levels of fluoride. In 1931, Churchill wrote to McKay to inform him of of the findings of the high levels of fluoride. So after all these years, the mystery of the chocolate teeth had finally been solved. Now, I'm skipping a lot there in between. There's a lot more that went on as far as like researching, investigating, whatever. But I didn't want the whole show to be about, you know, just the brief history of it. I wanted to get into other stuff. So that's the the condensed version of of the history of why our drinking water has fluoride. So this of course answered many other or answered this posed other questions such as why does fluoride react with bone? Why does it make your teeth turn brown? How does this affect stuff? And it led to more research. So Dr. H Trendley working for the National Institute of Health tested water all over the nation and concluded that one parts per million was probably safe. And what he was looking for was some water naturally has uh, fluoride in it. And there are other areas in the country and in the world that have naturally high levels of fluoride that caused people to have this same problem. And that's what he was looking for. He was trying to find evidence of like how much is too dangerous so then they could do something about it, right? So he recalled McKay's findings that the brown teeth were resistant to decay, and that led them in the direction of researching, hmm, maybe this stuff could be good for people's teeth. Because at the time, you know, this was back in the 40s, at the time, people got cavities and, you know, gum disease and stuff more commonly than they do nowadays, and they didn't have as good a stuff to deal with it. So if you had to have a tooth pulled back then, it was a little bit more of an ordeal than it is nowadays. Oh, oh, yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, and, and also like, like just the fact, like just the, the regular practice of brushing your teeth was not that common back then. Uh, it didn't come, it didn't become a lot more common actually until after world war two, because the, the army uh, mandated like that, you know, people should brush their teeth because they didn't want, they wanted to lessen the effect of um, the potential of anybody getting like, you know, tooth infections or like stuff like that like uh, affecting their combat, you know, f- effectiveness, whatever, you know what I mean? Hmm. So, so it was one of those things that they, they did um, that actually after the war became a much more common practice because all these, you know, uh, veterans were coming back and they, they brought that practice back with them. Like, it wasn't like an, it wasn't like something that didn't exist, but it, it was something that wasn't that common at the, at the time period. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense as well, because 
the I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, pretty much every male over the age between the ages of like probably 18 and 40 actually went to war during World War II. Like everybody went. Yeah. They they drafted pretty much everybody. It was the numbers are pretty crazy. And that's why you have from that time you have like that those images of Rosie the Riveter and stuff like that because you know women who didn't mm-hmm. necessarily work before then they all had to go to work because all the men were gone <laughs> you know yeah Those well and it was also it, it, it's not necessarily that they didn't work it was like this was different work than they were used to you know what i mean and well, they, yeah but, yeah you know they they pulled up their uh yeah i mean they, they you know they 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 met the the uh, challenge that's for sure yeah they they i mean like working in factories and stuff wasn't as common for women back then you know, they, they did more, yeah. they did other jobs. Yeah. They still worked. So yeah, I take that back. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, ladies. <laughs> but yeah, how that makes, offensive. I'm so offended. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but that makes sense though, because so many men went off to war and then they would all develop that habit and then they would come back because it was a significant part of the population, I guess, long story short. But yeah, <laughs> yes. So by 1944, after doing a lot of research and stuff, Grand Rapids, Michigan volunteered to be test subjects to have fluorine put, fluoride put in their water. Wait, 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 wait. Who volunteered them no, exactly? They, well, Did I the populace take a vote? The city council. I don't think they volunteered. The city council is like, yeah, sure. Yeah. The city <laughs> yeah, council yeah, well, is like, and, and, we'll do it. Well, they may or may not have uh, received some contributions from Alcoa. Uh, the, you know, the, uh, the uh, aluminum... Uh, foundries in the area, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get to, in just a second, uh, I have just a couple more items and then we'll talk about why Alcoa might be involved with this. So in 1945, they were the first town in the world to have fluoride added to their drinking water. They were involved in a study that went on for about 11 years, after which it was found that the 30,000 children in Grand Rapids saw a decline of 60% in tooth decay. That's pretty convincing, right? So after this, it was a wildly successful study, and then they started putting it in the water, and not everywhere, but most places in the United States started getting this stuff in their water. There were some places who resisted it, and there was a lot of shenanigans that went along those times, like that went along with it, like a conspiracy that it was in a plot by the Russians. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But yeah, that's... That's pretty much the really condensed <laughs> official story. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, why Alcoa was involved, Agent e- ETA? Yeah, sure. I suppose. Um, all right. So so, so basically, um, the Treasury Department at the time um, was was uh, under the like uh, under their umbrella. They um, they also had the, the public health service uh, under their authority. And um, it's it's kind of funny because uh, the Treasury Secretary at the time, when, when uh, a lot of these these forced mandates, as I'm willing to to describe them, were put in place uh, to force people to have their their water fluorided or fluoridation introduced into the water, what have you. Um, the Secretary, the Treasury Secretary, was Andrew J. Mullen, Mellon, Mellon. Yeah, Mellon. Yeah, I think he's Mellon. And and um, it's kind of funny because. He was actually the founder, the original founder of Alcoa. So I, that's a little bit, you know, suspect, man. Like, well, you there's know, you have this guy that, that obviously is there. So Andrew Mellon, yeah, he was he was a financial backer of of Alcoa, right? The there are other people who like founded yeah. the company. He didn't do much. He was sort of like a silent investor type, you know, he, he gave them money and then other people took the money and founded the, the company. I looked up the dates. Yeah. He was a secretary of treasury from 1921 to 1932. So there's definitely overlap when they were doing research for fluoride, but by the time they started putting it in the water, he was no longer the secretary of treasury, but there were other people who did work for, for Alcoa, who had gotten their way into positions of power in the government. So, I mean, there, there is still that conflict of interest within the government, but by then Andrew Mellon had actually stepped aside. He was doing who knows what else. Maybe he was dead by then. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. By suicide. (laughs) I I doubt it. (laughs) I mean, well, I mean, the guy was a billionaire at that time, which I mean, would make him nowadays, maybe a trillionaire. I don't know. I mean, with inflation and stuff, you know, so like, like the, like he, 
he didn't need to do any of this stuff, you know what I mean? But he was involved in some of the earlier uh, pushes towards supporting fluoride being put in the water, you know what I mean? So, so um, I, I do think that's, yeah, it's a huge conflict of interest, you know, um, when you have somebody who is, uh, you know, heavily um, involved in um, the aluminum industry in this country, and they're also, you know, um, advocating for fluoride being put in the water, which, by the way, uh, fluoride, uh, is it, is it um, chlorine fluoride, I believe, is, is a, the specific type of fluoride that is being put in the water. Um, it's not medical-grade fluoride, which, by the way, like people, people talk about fluoride being in toothpaste and stuff. Well, it's a little bit different type of fluoride. It's a medical grade fluoride, which would be extremely uh, expensive if they were to try to put the amounts of fluoride in water, uh, you know, the water systems uh, throughout the United States. It'd be uh, really expensive. So that's not what they use. I think we forgot but, to mention the reason Alcoa is involved in this in the first place is that fluoride is actually a waste product of aluminum uh, production and mining. Byproduct. Yeah. Yes. Byproduct. And not yeah, just it aluminum. Seems, seems a little a little convenient, right? Right. It's not just aluminum. There's actually other industrial processes that have fluoride as a byproduct. But aluminum was probably the biggest yeah. and the first. I don't know if they still are the biggest, but back then it was one of the biggest ones. And that's why we're talking yes. so much about Alcoa, because they have essentially what is considered toxic waste. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about putting toxic waste in the water. You're like, wait a minute. Hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why would we which, be putting which, this which, in the water? By the way, as a side note, during that time, fluoride was a main ingredient in like bug poison and pesticides and stuff. So they decided to start putting that in the water. What? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, like what do you what what do you mean? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but like like there is research like like we were talking about before that, that it does seem to help tooth decay in very low quantities. But it also seems to um, raise cancer levels, like as far as like bone cancer and like like hip displacement and then like uh, bone fractures. Um, at one point, the United States, uh, after fluoride ha- had been introduced into the water supply heavily, forced upon us. By the way, we, no nobody voted on this. Nobody was you know it just happened right. They they in my my understanding is kind of just forced on us. Um, at one point we had, uh, like the record for the most like, like, uh, bone fractures and hip, hip displacements, like, like in the, in the whole world. Like, uh, that, that's just a, a little, a little point that I read during, like when I was researching this and, you know, I, I can't necessarily sit here and say that's a fact, but it was something that I read that maybe, maybe it's, I don't know. Well, I'd have to look more into it to, to verify it, I guess you could say, you know, yeah, there's, but, but there's, um, I do think. I say there's a lot of misleading stuff out there. Like, for example, one website I found said that the study in Grand Rapids only went for a year and then the study was canceled after one year because there was problems with the study. And then the control town of Muscogon had fluoride added to their water to sort of make the results seem like to hide the results or something. And I actually tried to find any, any evidence of this whatsoever. And this particular bit seems to be completely made up. And this was, you know, this is from yeah. a, a website and some of the stuff on the website was actually factual, but some of it like this seemed to be completely made up and I'm not sure where they got this from. I couldn't find any mention of this whatsoever. It does appear that the study yeah. really did go for 11 years and that <laughs> I don't know, they probably put it in the water of Muskegon at some point, but I didn't see anything saying that they were doing that for a cover up either. But yeah, you know, like while I was doing the research for this, like there's plenty of points in which I was very confused because I, I was I was seeing and reading different things that contradicted itself. You know what I mean? Like, well, not by the same you know uh, entities or what have you that I was you know that was providing this information, but like it's really confusing, man. Because you, you see a lot of things that support fluoride, but you you see a lot of research that also does not. And like I'm just not like at a certain point, I just I don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like it's before I started like researching this or what have you. I mean, it's not like I did a bunch of freaking research here. You know, um, I, I did enough to, I guess, support this episode. Maybe. Well, well I, I'm not going to sit here and say I support anything really. I'm, I'm kind of winging it the whole time, to be honest. But <laughs> like um, it, was, it was a lot of it's really confusing, man. Like, like 
like you go on like any government website and they're going to tell you that fluoride is completely safe. There's nothing wrong with it. And, and like, don't pay attention. Don't, you know, uh, there's nothing to see here, you know, like, <laughs> you know, but, but like, uh, I, then you also see like, like, uh, studies like during world war two, for example, the, the journal of Amer American medical association came out with a statement that said, um, fluorides are generally, um, protoplasmic poisons changing the permeability of the cell membrane by certain enzymes. And it's like, well, I don't necessarily understand exactly everything that that means, but it sounds pretty fucking serious. Yeah. You know? I saw that <laughs> quote. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like, it, it sounds like that isn't something that you should really be putting in the water supply. Really? You know, like, and I know that there are different, like, like fluoride itself, like, there are different types of fluorides and, 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 you know, the way that like, I mean, the, the type of fluorides that you might introduce to somebody's body are going to have different, uh, effects. You know what I mean? So it's a different thing. Like I said before, like, uh, the type of fluoride that is put in tooth toothpaste isn't necessarily a poison. It's not, you know, it, it's medical, it's supposedly medical, medical grade fluoride. I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds more safe to me, I guess. <laughs> you know, like I'm not an expert, man. I don't know what to tell you here, but, uh, but at any rate, like the, the type of fluoride that is put in our water system is a different type of fluoride from what I understand. And, um, that is the byproduct of making aluminum, uh, from, from what I understand, you know, and, and, um, I don't like the sound of that, dude. Like it sounds to me like, like it's one of those things. It's one of those, like, uh, those schemes, you know, that has been, has been, uh, created by a, a very large company that has a lot of influence and has a lot of money, has a lot of reach. And not only were they able to turn, you know, this into something that was a byproduct that, that, uh, that they were being federally mandated to expose of properly, not just dump into the wilderness, what have you, you know, but they turned it into something to where it was a, it was a, a toxic by, byproduct that they were supposed to get rid of. But they ended up turning it into, you know, something they were getting paid to get rid of. You know what I mean? So it turned yeah. into like, you know, something that was uh, uh, financially beneficial for them, you know? Well, and if you, like you were saying, if you look at websites that are, you know, quote unquote legitimate sources, like for example, um, one that I found, they had a nice article about it was the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research or NIDCR, which is actually a branch of the National Institutes of Health, a government entity. And they had a little article about the history of it, mm -hmm. but nowhere in that article of the history of it, do they talk about all of the many conflicts of interest, like the, you know, the people in the government yes. or the influence of the chemical companies or Alcoa who are all pushing to make this happen when they, they like, they just ignore that part of it entirely. And they have that story about the brown teeth and stuff. And they're like, all right, yeah, that's great. Brown teeth. Now we figure this out. And that's why there's fluoride in the water. But they don't mention any of those, any of the other stuff that was behind the scenes. Well, that's what's lacking in not just on websites, but everywhere in media, social media, you know, in the news is balance. You know, you want to hear both sides of the story. You want information. And it is so hard to just get information. It is. Yeah. And <laughs> any website that had, that I found that had, you know, the behind the scenes stuff also had a lot of inaccuracies and it takes an awful lot of time to fact check all that stuff. You know, yeah, <laughs> they make yeah, all these wild through. claims yeah. and some of them end up being true. A lot of them don't. So, it, you know, it's just my summary is basically that um, it appears that Alcoa and some other companies did influence the government and lobby local governments to try to get fluoride into the drinking water. That seems to be something that really did happen. Yeah, um, but yeah. the important question is, or questions are, is it beneficial and does it cause any harm? You know, like my toothpaste box says, if more than used for brushing is accidentally swallowed, get medical help or contact a poison control center right away. So we're talking yeah. about a pea-sized amount of toothpaste if you swallow more than that you're supposed to call a poison control center right away and like but it yeah, says that like, on like wait, my what? nail polish remover and my also don't drink well, hydrogen peroxide <laughs> and like it says that on everything because nobody well, wants well, to yeah, get but, sued yeah but still but these aren't things are you, you that you're putting in your mouth though you hydrogen I mean? peroxide you're, you you're just you well, use I, well, it but I'm, you're not I'm, supposed to swallow it 
Yeah, well, I was talking more so like like when you said like like a uh, nail polish, nail polish remover. Remover. It's like, all right, who, yeah. who, what what idiot is putting that in their mouth? You once know what I, mean? I if accidentally you do, then, well, put you it in my the consequences. Once I accidentally put it in my eyes, oh, I thought God. it was makeup remover. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> I grabbed really? the wrong bottle, <laughs> and I'm sitting there flushing out my eyes, and I'm panicked, and I'm like, Agent. Agent, oh, shit. call the poison control <laughs> center, call them. <laughs> and so Agent Anderson went ahead and called and they're like, it's fine. Just flush, just continue to flush <laughs> yeah. for 10 minutes. It'll be fine. I was completely panicked. Like yeah. my eyeballs were going to melt or something. Yeah. But let's turn it over to Agent Ether who took a look into seeing whether or not, is it good for you? Is it bad for you? What does the research say? What do you got for us, Agent Ether? Well, I want to make sure Agent ETA doesn't have anything else. Oh, yeah. Agent ETA. What else you got? You got anything else for us before we turn it over to Agent Ether? Ah, I mean, I have a bunch of, of opinions and, and bullshit, I guess. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, like uh, How about I, I do a little my... spiel? Okay. And then we can all discuss all right. the Sounds different good. points oh, of oh. view. How does that sound? Sure. Sounds good to me, yeah. Okay. So just so you guys know, in the U.S., in the whole U.S., about two-thirds of the populace is getting fluoridated water. So that means one-third of the people have no fluoride. And I mean added fluoride, not natural fluoride, but added fluoride. But it varies widely. In Illinois, 98.5% of people have fluoride in their water, for example, compared to some places, some cities, some counties where it's zero this amount that it's uh, that it's allowed in the water is regulated uh, at a local, state, and federal level, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommends a level of 0.7 milligrams per liter or 0.7 parts per million in the drinking water. Now, this is based on trial and error. They started adding it in the 50s, and based on the reaction, you know, negative reactions of people they lowered the rate. You know, it was higher than it used to be. And then they started to to lower it. And I'm assuming that's because of research and journal articles that came out. And one of the measurements of whether or not there's too much fluoride in the water is the dental fluorosis, the discoloration of the teeth, which can include these tiny white streaks on the teeth. So they were seeing, let's say, 5% of children in the population had these white streaks on their teeth in places where the fluoride levels were, let's say, one milligram per liter. So in places where it was only 0.7, they didn't have this discoloration. So then eventually, that was the number that they used for everyone. They said, well, one of the first signs that fluoride is affecting the human body is this dental fluorosis. So let's lower the level to a level that we can determine is safe based on this this physical sign is one of the ways they've done it. Yeah, and I was actually surprised to see that because the mild fluorosis that you're going to get at those levels looks can look like just little like white or chalky parts on your teeth. And I actually have that on one of my teeth. I was surprised. Like it, it's not that obvious, but I've always wondered what caused that. And now I know <laughs> fluoride in the drinking water. Well, it could be fluoride in your toothpaste too, or right, fluoride yeah. in other products, which I'll talk about. Yeah. Well, from what I understand, the fluorosis tends to develop um, while the teeth are developing. Yes. So yes. if you brush your teeth with fluoride, that's not going to cause it. But if you swallow right. the toothpaste, that could cause it. Well, they recommend, so they recommend for infants, for example, that you use filtered water and don't use fluoridated water. In general, if you want to prevent uh, that kind of a thing, which, you know, I think is a good idea. There's tons of products available and you can get uh, drinking water, like bottled water that also doesn't have fluoride in it uh, if it's filtered properly. So you can look into that for yourself. Yeah. So anyways, the CDC has this uh, online database called MWF or My Water's Fluoride. And you can actually go on there if you live in the United States, select your state, your county, and your city, and it'll pop out where your water comes from, who is serviced by it for like the amount of people, like 1,000, 10,000, how many people are getting their water from that specific source, what is the source, for example, ground versus spring water, and whether or not it's fluoridated. I checked earlier, and yeah. where I live, the water is not fluoridated. Non-fluoridated. 
not fluoridated. But there's other databases, too, that the government keeps track of. They have their own reporting system that everyone who fluoridates the water is responsible for reporting periodically very specific data. And this is great because then you can do comparison studies in places that do and do not use fluoride. For example, there was a recent study on dementia, and they found that it didn't make any difference whether or not the water was fluoridated. So it was a really big study because they're looking all the time, right? What causes dementia? It's important. So apparently it's not fluoride was what the study concluded. So what was what was the name of that website again? Um, we can it's on the CDC. Source? It's actually on the CDC. Well, I found it by Googling or DuckDuckGoing, is my water fluoridated? That's just what I typed into the old search engine there and it came up. So the CDC actually calls fluoridating the water one of the top 10 great public health achievements of the 20th century. But what does the rest of the world think? Well, not the the rest of the world, from what I understand, isn't quite as enthusiastic. It depends on where you go, and it varies widely. If you look at Canada, in British Columbia, only 4% of the water has fluoride, but in Ontario, it's 75%. Hmm. And New Zealand strongly recommends that their populace have fluoride in their water, but it's handled on a local level and all the local politicians say, no way. And that's because the population doesn't want it. So they're, of course, going to choose not to fluoride their water, fluoridate their water, uh, in, you know, in that case. And Israel stopped. They, they were doing it for a long time, but they stopped in 2000 and. 14. Singapore, however, since the 50s, comes in at 100%. Now, we are talking a small island. We're talking, I think, 4 million people. But you have now you have this large amount of data and some interesting results. Now, it's important to note that in Singapore, there's free dental care for everyone under the age of 18. They have high levels of dental education, and they use fluoride products as well, meaning toothpaste and that sort of thing, and dental fluoride. Don't they put, like, fluoride caps on kids? They go in there and... Well, I don't know if they do that in Singapore, but I remember getting that when I was a kid, where you go in... And they still do that. They did that to our kids. You go, you put them, they put this like paste like stuff. Like gel or something. Yeah. And so they, they do yeah. that. They do that in Singapore too. So they did introduce it and they did have mild discoloration of the teeth. And so they did reduce it and fine tune it over time until it was not an issue. And, and even then it was only an issue in a small percentage of children. So it used to be in the 40s and 50s that 95% of school-aged children had cavities, and that was reduced by about 30%, with 16% of children carrying 78% of the burden, meaning that it really helped reduce cavities in the majority of children. And the children who do have cavities tend to have a lot of cavities. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And this is in sharp contrast to China. Yeah, go ahead, Agent ETA. Well, I was going to say, like, like in reference to what you just said, like, the one thing that kind of strikes me about this whole fluoride thing is that, like, in this country, at least, and I don't know necessarily about other countries, uh, although I suspect it's kind of the same thing or similar, at least, this is something that has been forced upon us. We, we didn't really, we weren't able to vote on it. Like, we weren't able to, to, you know, decide whether this is something we want or not. It just was plain it's just plain was forced upon us and and this is the only thing that has ever been put into the water that was like quote unquote uh, a medical benefit or a medicine what have you you know what i mean it's the only thing that has been put in the water like that that you didn't have a choice you, you just like they just did it you know what i mean and um i, I find I, I have a problem with that you know i don't like i don't like being forced medicated well i would just i would like to say So if you're living in a rural area, if you don't have access to dental care, and if you don't have that education, then you are going to have problems with with your teeth. And so personally, I think that in the 40s and 50s, maybe it was a good idea. But I'll tell you later what I think about whether or not we should be putting fluoride in the water now. Well, but I think that also has a lot to do with diet as well. 
Like after certain things were introduced into our diet, like for example, like white flour, sugar, sugar, yeah, and, and like a vegetable oil, you know, stuff like that. That's when we really started to see a decline in um, dental health. You know what I mean? So, so that that type of thing in your diet took away from you know, like like for example, like uh, indigenous diets. You know what I mean? They're, they're like most indigenous people that w- that have been researched uh, as far as like dental health goes. They don't have too much tooth decay because they stay true to their natural diet, and so their body reacts appropriately. You know, no, that's mean? true. And they've looked at uh, because it's, uh, they've done studies like from medieval times where they look at the teeth, and also just culturally, they were very much about having sweet breath and dental habits, and there was no sugar available. They didn't even have honey really, and uh, only twenty percent of the population had any sort of tooth decay. And that's versus like 90% in the 50s. They had uh, diets that were very rich in calcium. And we could certainly stand to eat more fruits and vegetables over here, that's for sure. So calcium causes tooth decay? No, no, they ate high levels of calcium. Oh, I see, I see. So our our lack of calcium, perhaps, right, can I also gotcha. lead to, to, to decay, just as our consumption of sugar can. Okay. And sugar... Is in everything, people. It's in everything. everything. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Every, and, and there's there's different derivatives of sugar stuff that like your body will will react the same way to sugar, even though it's not sugar. You know, like yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, things about our diet that we have introduced that it's just not natural for us. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. We could do a whole episode on um, corn syrup and why that's in everything. And, you know, the corn subsidies, basically, corn is actually cheaper to buy than it is to produce because of the subsidies. And that creates all sorts of problems. And that's why you have corn pretty much in all the everything in the store that's processed has corn in one form or another, you know. Yeah. But that's a whole other episode. So going (laughs) back to fluoride. (laughs) Yes, back to fluoride. So I talked about Singapore (laughs) and the level of fluoride in in their water and how it's very regulated and very specific. And this is a sharp contrast to China that has some of the world's highest levels of naturally occurring fluoride. Now, I say natural, but a lot of the problems aren't just groundwater. It's also pollution it's tea, believe it or not. It's found in a lot of teas, and it's, I think, a byproduct of coal. So it's not necessarily that putting fluoride in the water in China is banned. They just really don't need any more fluoride. They have they have enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's actually kind of funny because, like, in tea leaves, like, uh, younger tea leaves have a, a much lesser percentage of fluoride in it. Right, and, and as a tea true. leaf uh, gets gets more like it's older or more refined. I don't know what, what the term is, but yeah, an older tea leaf will have more fluoride in it than a younger tea leaf. Yeah. It has to do with how, like the uptake and how it absorbs groundwater and, and everything that absorbs the fluoride around it. And then you dip it in your fluoridated water and then you get extra fluoride. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a short paper in the national library of medicine and it's about fluoride neurotoxicity And they studied rural areas in China that had uh, amounts above 11.5 milligrams per liter. Now, to remind you guys, the recommended level is 0.7 milligrams per liter, and they are drinking 11.5 milligrams per meter. So they did this big study on children, and they found that it lowers in their IQ scores uh, seven points on average. Really? So they said, you know, seven points doesn't sound like a lot, especially if you look at the statistical spread, but it's pretty consistent. And they argued that it was an actual reduction in IQ, in measured IQ. And they had all these, you know, we did this IQ test and that IQ test and we measured it against this. Like, I'm not, that's not my field, but it seemed pretty legit. It was a long paper. And I think the data was there. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, seven well, I points. Can, I can tell. Yeah, go ahead, ETA. I was going to say, I, I can tell you from experience, um, being a dumbass does not necessarily uh, benefit you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's been plenty of things in my life that I regret that I did because I was a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, oh boy, that was, I, was I dumb there? You know, like, yeah. But like, I think a couple points just in general could, could make a big difference really, yeah, you know, in, in the yeah. long run, you know. 
I was going to say like seven points may not seem like a lot, but I need every point I can get, you know? Amen. Preach <laughs> it. Oh, you take boy, seven for me, boy, I might not yes. be functional anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's... Well, I, I am barely, I consider myself barely functional, like in, in most, uh, in, you know, situations. <laughs> <laughs> so there's other problems you can have too, specifically when you have high levels of fluoride. You can have skeletal fluorosis, which is what ETA was talking about earlier. The bones become hard and elastic, and that increases the risk and, of and fractures brittle. and brittle. Yeah. yeah. And you can have thyroid problems um, and high levels of calcium in the blood. If you are exposed to it before birth, it can lead to neurological problems and poor cognitive outcomes. Uh, they measured the fluoride levels in 299 women during pregnancy and then their children at different points in the children's lives. And they found that, you know, the higher the fluoride level exposure, the lower the IQ. There was a correlation there. Now, it wasn't a strong correlation, but, you know, it did exist. The data did show it existed. And again, it wasn't a lot of IQ points, but it was enough to where it was statistically significant. Now, the one thing I, I would say if I was going to play a counter argument to that is that such a high level of fluoride is probably not occurring naturally. It's probably due to some kind of pollution. So they could be exposed to all sorts of other things that are also affecting them. It might not be just the fluoride. And actually, the paper mentioned that. Oh, believe well. Believe it or not. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, where are people getting these high levels of fluoride? It is not just the water. Uh, it's an industry. People who work in industry will in inhale dust that contains fluoride. In rural areas, like I mentioned before, Africa, Asia, it's naturally occurring. Uh, volcanic activity can also cause exposure to fluoride. But where else are we getting our fluoride? Well, the New England Journal of Medicine looked at a specific case study of a woman who had skeletal, skeletal fluorosis, and she had spent 17 years every day drinking a pitcher of tea, on average consuming 100 to 150 tea bags. Every day? Wow. Every day. That's what it said. Every day. Dang. Wow. So at five to nine milligrams per tea bag, most of it is absorbed into the tea. And the researcher said, you know, no more than three cups a day. If you want to keep it at safe levels, limit your tea to three cups a day, which I didn't, I didn't know. Does it matter where the tea well, comes from or is it just any tea? You know, it didn't say. It just said tea. I would okay. imagine it, it probably matters where the tea was grown. I you would know, think it, it so, too. It probably has some, some difference, yeah. at least. You well, know? they recommended but organic like, like, young teas. And mm -hmm. it, it goes back to just what, like, like what Agent Ether was saying before. It's like you're taking these tea bags and putting into already like, like fluoride. 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 Uh, fluoride. Right now. Yeah. There you go. Whatever. Whatever the term is. You know, you're putting it into water that is already fluor fluorided or whatever, whatever the term is. <laughs> There's already fluoridation going on there, you know, and then you're, you're adding more, right? So yeah, yeah right. That, that, does, that doesn't necessarily, like, once you do the research on it, I guess, and understand uh, this little bit, you know, it, yeah, that makes sense that, like, yeah, it, it will be more highly fluorided than you'd want, you know? Or, you know. There was also uh, some research. I don't know if that makes sense. There was also some research <laughs> done in Portugal, and they surveyed teas, juices, and sodas for fluoride content. And they found one specific extract-based soda had two milligrams per liter. Most samples were pretty low, like 0.1 milligrams per liter. Soft drinks, it was 0.18. Juice-based drinks, it was 1.3. So orange juice, for example, mm. is a natural source of high levels of fluoride. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. There's other foods too besides I freaking tea. love orange juice. Don't drink orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> so wine, pickles, tomatoes, not, carrots, beer, <laughs> orange juice, and of course bottled water and toothpaste all contain unregulated Amounts of fluoride. Oh, not beer. <laughs> well, really? because of, because I of the water, I'm assuming maybe like the concentration of water and hops. Oh. I don't know. Well, because when you make beer, you boil off yeah. water. Yeah. You know, like if you start with 10 gallons and you boil it off, you might end up with eight gallons. You're slightly concentrating it if your water mm -hmm. has uh, already has fluoride in it to begin with. So I don't know how that works, but yeah, they said beer had higher 
fluoride content than, you know, than other things. Well, I wonder if it has to do also with like the hops that are used or yeah. the grain that are used. Maybe some of those have higher levels to begin with as well. So you're, you're getting that in there just like the tea. So here's my thought. Here's what hmm. I'm thinking. It should be regulated, right? Of it, course. Should, it should be regulated. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And companies shouldn't be allowed to just have any amount of fluoride they want in their products. And we should know just as a population how much fluoride we're getting in the things that we that we drink. That makes sense it, to me. It makes sense to me. At the same time, caffeine should be regulated, right? <laughs> we should know how much caffeine we're getting yeah. in our products. Fluoride is it's good for you. It's good for your teeth, though. Like... Yeah, no, it's it's good for you, right? You know, I and think actually, I think at one point, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think at one point it was it was a good idea, but now you get your fluoride from so many sources. Water naturally has yeah. fluoride in it. In some places, bottled water has fluoride in it. Do we really need to have fluoride in the drinking water? If there's any kind of risk, do we really need to take it? If with proper dental education and care. It's it's not making a difference. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. because it appears that topical application, you know, in other words, using it in something like toothpaste seems to be just as effective, if not more so than ingesting it. So yes. if that's the case, we don't really need it in the water, do we? So, yeah. So why have no. it? I, I don't no, know if don't. it's harmful or not. I don't know what level it's harmful to. I read a couple yeah. papers. It doesn't seem to cause cancer at low levels. But the question is, what are low levels and, and how much are we being exposed to on a daily basis? We just don't know. Right. Yeah. But at high levels, it definitely does. Yeah, and there's that's, some that's problems. Been proven. But it's very, you know, but it's very high levels. And you think about it, vitamin C is very toxic at high levels. Uh, you can get nausea, headaches, kidney stones. Vitamin B complex in high levels can cause nerve damage. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that if you take them at high enough levels, it, it's a problem. If you're going through chemotherapy, sure. you're not supposed to take specific vitamins and supplements because they can be harmful or interfere with the, with the chemo. So And caffeine. Don't even get me started on caffeine because... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, on average, a kid consumes about half a cup of coffee every day. Adults consume about four cups of coffee, and caffeine's found everywhere. It's found in, in your candy, in your sports drinks, in your soda. It is so hard to get caffeine-free soda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Actually, you're right about that. Like, like most sodas have caffeine in it. Like, you're absolutely right about that. And, and, and so many people can consume so much of this. Like, like, for example, about a year ago, I had kind of a, a, a little bit of, like, like come-to-God moment. Like when, when I was drinking a lot of coffee because I was working um, at the graveyard shift, you know, and so I, I was relying on caffeine to like keep me up, you know, and um, there was one, there was like a two day period where I decided not to drink coffee at Ooh. all. And then like, I started like, oh, the, the, the caffeine withdrawals yes. were serious. Yes. Like. It, it was, it, it really kind of messed me up, man. It really did. And after that, I was like, you know, I'm, I'll still drink coffee here and there, but I'm going to make sure to not make coffee a, a part of my normal diet anymore because it just, it messed me up when, when I started, when I stopped drinking it, you know, it just, it was, it was a serious problem. I think the headaches, the headaches are the worst part of it. And then I felt sick to my stomach. All right, let's get back but to yeah, fluoride. <laughs> so let's, yeah. Okay. Did you have Did you have any more medical stuff? No, just on a personal note, though, we're living longer and longer lives, and I, I like my teeth. <laughs> so I want my teeth. So I want them to continue doing research, you know, about this and and other yeah. products, and make sure that I can keep them. I actually have terrible teeth. I get root canals. I have to have caps placed. I get cavities. And it's it's no fun. And I wonder how much worse it would be if I didn't use fluoride in my products. Yeah, this is one of those topics where um, usually I go into a topic and it changes my mind one way or another. 
This one, I went into it not really sure, and I'm coming out of it not really not sure. Not really sure, yeah. There seems to be evidence on both sides that, uh, but there does seem to be evidence that if you have, you know, fluoride really does help your teeth, but there is plenty of evidence that it's also not a good thing, especially in large amounts. Large amounts, right. Um, as far as some of the other claims, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot to them, but let's talk about just a handful of conspiracy theories. Um, I ran across some. For example, one of the bigger ones in the early days I mentioned earlier was people originally thought that fluoride in the water was a communist plot to undermine the health of Americans. <laughs> and it's like, well, they kind of failed miserably because it doesn't appear that that happened. You know, um, what undermined the health of Americans more was processed foods and uh, sugars and things. Now we have an obesity problem. That's that's a thing. But fluoride doesn't appear to have contributed to anything like that. So that one was a bust. Um, I did see a conspiracy that communists, you know, Russia in, over in Russia, basically, Russians and Nazis used fluoride to pacify prisoners, both in to prisons more, more, and concentration more camps. Yeah, to make it more docile. But yeah. there doesn't appear to be a shred of uh, shred of evidence to back this up. I couldn't find any I sort find of anything either. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. find any sort of documentation or any sort of historical record or anything at all to back this up. It appears to be. And I actually looked for that. Yeah, like, so that, did I. Yeah. I remember. I remember watching this documentary. Like, like this topic was something I was aware of. I, I've been aware of for quite some time, but I just never really did any hard line research towards. You know, I, I just I wasn't. I just, I didn't know I was aware of it, but like, that was about it. You know what I mean? But then like when I first started doing the research for this, this topic for this episode, um, I started, I, that was like one of the first things I looked into because that was one of the things I remembered like learning about, I guess, you know, but like the more and more I looked, I tried to look into it. I, I couldn't find anything really. I couldn't find any solid evidence to support it. You know, it seems like it may have been a thing, but like I said, I, I couldn't find anything to support it, really, you know? Yeah. The so only, it may thing, have happened. It may not have happened. I don't know. Only thing I could find was a bunch of shady-looking websites quoting other shady-looking websites, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Like you said, maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. But, uh, I mean, I couldn't find any real evidence for it. But the idea behind yeah. that one is that there that it, it pacifies people so that's why they're putting it in the water today you know in america it is to pacify the population sort of we, like we act very pacified yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah. it worked everybody yeah. it worked yep <laughs> kind of kind of like as if the, you know they're putting prozac in the water which also probably would not pacify people that's not how prozac well, works th but there's also there's also a uh, a strong perception uh, and I didn't see a whole, and like, like, I'm not going to say that I did a, like a bunch of research. Or I, I looked a little bit into this, but like uh, it, it, some people claim that like fluoride calcifies your pineal gland. And like, uh, I don't know if, uh, how many people know what their pineal gland is, but it's a gland at the base of your brainstem that basically some people theorize is your connection towards like reality. It, it either is the receptor of consciousness or the creator of consciousness within your brain. So uh, if that does calcify your pineal gland, oh, oh man, that's, that's uh, something, that's a, it's, it's a substance I do not want to have any contact with at all because I do fully believe that the pineal gland is very important, like as far as consciousness goes, you know, because it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, it's the only organ in your body that actually produces dimethyltryptamine, DMT. And so, like, it's one of those things where it's like, that really, like, it makes me, I'm very interested in that. Like, why would any organ in your body need to produce dimethyltryptamine? You know what I mean? It, it's, I find it kind of wild, man. You know, like, it's, like, why would your body need to do that? Like, if only to, you know, be a receptor or you know, something like that towards consciousness, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and say, I, like, I, I understand anything about it, but I find it very wildly interesting, you know, like, so, so if, if, you know, somebody in power was, was trying to make the population, um, more, you know, uh, subservient, make them more like lemmings, you know, <laughs> subservient. Yes. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's a more accurate uh, term that I was trying to find there. Yeah. 
But like, if you did want to do that, then this would be a very good way to do it. You know, like, yeah, I, I mean, like separate your, 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 your uh, consciousness from your ability to think for yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I, that that could be uh, very beneficial for people in power who are trying to influence a population towards their wants and needs or their, 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 you know, whatever they're trying to accomplish. You know what I mean? What, what was that a Stephen King book where there were like two brothers or cousins and they dumped this chemical into a volcano and then the volcano erupts sending this, this product all around the world. Have you guys heard this story? Sounds familiar. And then they, I haven't, I yeah, they think that, no. it's going to lead to world peace basically. And instead it causes dementia in, in the entire world, like the whole world. <laughs> so not huh. so great. Not such a great, it's a good story. It's well written. I thought yeah. it was Stephen King, but it I don't, could be someone else. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember that one. It sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. It's a very short, it's a short story. Okay. Like a few pages could, or something. Could be. I mean, sounds like something he might write. <laughs> I don't know. I have a conspiracy theory. <laughs> What's that? All right, this is... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So, one person was saying there's a relationship between chemtrails and fluoride. Oh, is that what they're putting really? in the chemtrails? Yeah. Okay. No, no. So, they're not putting fluoride <laughs> in... So, they're putting aluminum in the chemtrails. Aluminum, okay. I've heard, I've heard that, yeah. Fluoride in the water, which combine, and people are getting exposed to aluminum fluoride, which causes infertility. Therefore, it is a forced government sterilization program. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I see that I thought it was alum aluminum phosphate. Well, this, I'm just getting my information from this website. I'm sure it was... Uh, uh, it I sounds can legit I, I, to I'm me. <laughs> I'm not an expert. I just remember that. I remember that term being presented, <laughs> but like, I just, the chemtrails, that, 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 that whole thing is that, that's a, that's another episode for sure. We did an episode. Go back and listen, people. Oh, Good episode. Shut up. Shut up. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good episode. Yeah. I just, I wanted to point out that, you know, the, our population is falling because people just don't want kids. <laughs> They're yeah. not having kids. Like I talk to people like millennials and, and younger people and they're like, why would I have kids? I have student loans and I can't afford a house. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awful. I'm not I'm having I'm going to use birth control. That's right. <laughs> the next uh, conspiracy theory I have is, um, is that uh, fluoride is used as a, a molecular marker to track people. Or the populace. By aliens. Possibly by aliens, yeah. Okay. Could be aliens. Aliens? It could be. Could be the government. Could be people. Could be. Could be yes. aliens. Could be Russians. Could Yeah, could be Russians, yeah. And I swear no, I didn't make probably, that one up. It's probably the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the Russians. I, I promise <laughs> you guys, I did not just make that one up earlier today. That, that, oh. is, that is a real conspiracy theory that was not made up by me. That sounds like Agent Anderson's special kind of conspiracy <laughs> theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't see a ton of conspiracies other than uh, it, it's bad, right? That it's bad and it well, causes different problems and probably it shouldn't be in our drinking water. And the main conspiracy is basically that this was pushed by chemical companies, which appears to be true. In part, at least. But the strange thing is that, you know, unlike most forms of toxic industrial waste, this one appears to have some positive health benefits. So go figure. <laughs> it's such a strange thing, you know. That was pretty much the main one that most people talk about. But, I mean, there are some other stuff we touched on, like health effects and other things. I think we pretty much covered um, most of the main stuff throughout the episode. And that's uh, that's pretty much um, all I had. The only thing I had left was ethics, but uh, Agent ETA pretty much covered that too because he was talking about how one of the main objections is people have is that they don't have a choice, and that you know. So he he covered that pretty well, I think. And that's so I guess that's pretty much all I had. And my final thought is, you know, like I said earlier, if you know if we can use this, if it's if it's just as beneficial by putting it in a toothpaste. Why put it in the water when it could be dangerous? It just uh, it doesn't seem to make sense anymore at this point. But, you know, pretty much try to cover that too. So <laughs> um, that's, yeah, I guess that's pretty much all I had for this episode. Yeah, my final thought is more like, meh, I, I don't really think it's that harmful. Like, I'm, I'm okay with my kids drinking water with fluoride. 
Well, they don't though. I bet I would be okay. Yeah, it's but on I don't, I'm on the fence about it though because it's pot like even though this has been going on for decades and since like the 40s, the jury is still out. We are still not 100 percent sure if it's a good idea to put it in our water. Scientifically speaking, you know, it's like the there are a minority of scientists who think it's a bad idea, which is so strange to me that we still don't have a total consensus on this yet. But we don't have a total consensus on much in science. Though. That's yeah, that is a good point. That so, is a good point. I don't yeah. know. Climate change seems to be a big one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you could really help us out by checking out the affiliate link in the description. This time we have toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> do you really? <laughs> we really do. <laughs> really? Would you, would you like would you like some fluoride-free toothpaste? <laughs> it's fluoride-free? Well, there's all kinds of toothpaste. <laughs> Is the one you're uh, promoting fluoride-free? Well, there's several types of toothpaste. All right. There's also my personal favorite is what's uh, is an SLS free toothpaste because that's the chemical they put in there that makes it kind of like sudsy, sudsy. sodium borth sulfate. Yeah, but that stuff actually they put it in shampoo and stuff too. It's in everything. Yeah, they all put beauty it, products. Yeah, they put it in toothpaste and it actually sort of irritates me and gives me canker sores and stuff. And then I read that and I switched to a toothpaste that doesn't have that. The toothpaste doesn't foam up, but it also doesn't make my mouth feel like you know all sorry and gross and stuff. So it's worth it. It's a, it's a trade-off there. You know, I can deal without suds. I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. Speaking of toothpaste. What's that? We have a toothpaste in our restroom, in our bathroom, that is empty. It is it is empty, but I don't want to replace it. And I don't think Agent <laughs> Anderson wants to replace it because every night, each one of us must squish the hell out of it to get that little, <laughs> last tiny little last bit, bit well, of that's, toothpaste. Hey, that's... <laughs> yes. That stuff that stuff ain't free. It is it is gone. It is really the amount that I have to squish it to get out <laughs> a tiny amount of toothpaste, like somebody really needs to <laughs> switch it out. Hey, but here's well, the thing, is there still more toothpaste in it though? Like a little bit. A little bit. I think it's I think it's pure laziness though on on the part of us both. It is. You're, you're about you're about to go to bed. I'm like, ah, could I walk the 15 feet to the cupboard where we keep the toothpaste and get another one? I could, uh, or I could, or I could just squeeze, squeeze the crap out of this and try to get a little, little bit more bit out of this. More. But we each brush our teeth at different times. So I know we're yeah. both doing it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll change it tonight. Yeah. All right, but anyways, check out the links in the description. I'll put I'll put links for. T- Toothpaste with fluoride, without fluoride, without SLS, all that good stuff. So, you know, couple, <laughs> take your pick. A couple different links there. For, <laughs> there'll be something for everybody. So, thanks for listening. Keep it strange. <laughs>